Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, well, good morning and welcome back to week number three of Power Thoughts. And um, as I introduced to you two weeks ago, there's a concept that science has uh, talked to us about called neuroplasticity. And what that means is you can rewrite your brain matter. You can do this both functionally and you can do it physically. And the way that we do this is through strong, frequent action. So uh, repeating something over and over again, whether these are words that you say, whether these are physical actions, uh, Olympians, they use this all the time to prepare for an event. They may not be able to exactly duplicate physically, and so they run through this uh, in their brain. The same thing happens for us. We have the ability to rewire our brain, to uh, recreate uh, synapses and neurons that are uh, up in our head that will help us be better. So if you remember in week number one, I talked about the concept of love, and, and the power thought was that God loves me unconditionally. Last week, I shared with you uh, the, the topic of peace, and the power thought was I pursue peace with God, myself, and others. And this week, what I want to do is I want to introduce you to the concept of worry. I know, that's the, the, that's the one thing you don't need any more of. And so I want to talk to you about how to address worry through uh, power thoughts. But before I do that, I want to pause. I want to take a commercial break. I rarely do this at, at this point in the message. But um, I ask you to grab your hot sheet packs. All right, everybody, grab a hot sheet pack and, and hold it up. And I want to just go through a couple of things inside because I heard Josh cover uh, this here. We've got a lot happening here at our church. I would encourage you to look at that, look at the things that are upcoming. Make sure that you're familiar with that. And when you see that, flip it over. And on the back, there's two things there I want you to take note of. And number one is this, our foundations class. Uh, this is a four-week class that happens on Sunday evenings at 5.30. And if you have never been through that four-week class, I would encourage you to sign up for that. Uh, in that class, you're going to learn about our church. You're going to learn about uh, not just our church, uh, Crossroads here, but the church in general. You're going to learn about things, why we do things, how we do things. And then um, before you walk out of there at the end of week four, you are going to know where you are gifted, and where you're passionate about. And when you combine those two things and you put those into your life, you'll find out that you don't get tired. You, uh, you, you're able to serve in such a way that it's incredible. And then at the bottom you see there of that page, you see Life Group Launch. A Life Group Launch is happening this Tuesday, and I would encourage you, everyone needs to be here Tuesday. And look, there's no excuses. We've got child care provided. We've got dinner that we'll be serving and this is, I rarely ever ask you or tell you, hey, this is the one thing you've got to be at. But today I'm telling you that. This is the one thing that you need to be at outside of our Sunday morning service, and that is Life Group Launch. Uh, we are about as a church to enter into a season of revival. 
And uh, here's what I believe is in the next 10 weeks, more people in our church will share their testimony than have shared their testimony in the last 10 years combined. And so uh, Life Group Launch is a part of that. And you have one of these uh, postcards in there. And I would encourage you, don't just leave it in the seat. Don't just leave the package. Take it home with you. And then on the back here, think about somebody. There's probably a name on your heart right now. And find their address, write it out, um, put a stamp on here, and put this in the, the mailbox. If you'll put this in the mailbox uh, tomorrow, they'll get it Wednesday. And then follow up on Friday with a phone call and say, hey, I would love it if you would join me at Crosswoods Church for this crazy series called I Am Second. If you are looking for more information on this, go to the website, IamSecond.com, and you will find some powerful uh, stories. And really, this is what I Am Second is all about. It's when God's story meets your story. We call those testimony. And a lot of people think they don't have one. But I, I assure you that if you have a pulse, you've got a story that has met God's story. Some people just haven't conceded to God's story part yet, but it's coming. All right. Um, so with that being said, here are the four things to make I Am Second the most successful series, not for me, not for this church, for you. And number one is this, uh, be here every week. Six fast weeks and we'll be finished and we'll be moving on to Thanksgiving, um, Christmas, and in the next six weeks, you are going to encounter people who have encountered God in a powerful way. And I believe that you are going to encounter God in a powerful way. So be here. Number two is get in or start a life group. Life groups are where uh, it is at. Life groups are where life happens. Life groups are where relationships are built. Life groups are where you are going to grow in your relationship with Christ. And I would encourage you, whether you're watching online, whether you're here, um, be in a life group. And again, this is just an easy, very powerful way to make that happen. Third thing is identify your story. Many of you don't even know what your story is. You don't know how your story and God's story interacts. Um, before the six weeks are up, I am convinced that every one of us in here will know the question is, will we do number four? And that is share our story. And here's what I want you to know about sharing your story. It has nothing to do with you. Your story, look, you've, you've lived it. You know every part of it. You know what you don't tell about your story. But there are people who need to hear your story. They need to hear about your encounter with God. Because they're having a very similar encounter with God at the moment. And they're struggling. And they need to know that somebody else has something similar happen to them. And they made it and they survived. And they're living for God. So I would encourage you, in the next uh, couple of weeks, be here. Make those four things a part of your strategy as we go into I Am Second. And with that, join me in prayer as I get back into the message. God, uh, we just uh, thank you so much for today. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for the message uh, that you are about to give to us. And I pray, Lord, that I'll be faithful in how I do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs verse, chapter 3, verse 5 says these words, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then it has a follow-up to that, and it says, Do not lean on your own understanding. Now, the reality is this, that most of you in here waste your think time. You waste the time that 
thoughts are processing in your brain. Last week, I shared with you ladies that when a husband tells you that uh, when you ask them, what are you thinking about? And they say nothing, they're lying to you. They just haven't finished the story. They're thinking about something. All of us spend our time all day long thinking. Some people fall into a thing called ruminating. And so instead of wasting your time on those words, wasting your time on that self-talk, wasting your time on what you're saying to yourself, instead use these power thoughts, and especially the power thoughts that agree with God's word. And so each one of these power thoughts that I've given to you today or over the last three weeks line up with God's word. And so what I would encourage you is to find scripture and be able to write it upon the table of your heart. And as you write it upon the table of your heart, then you can experience life change. And what does that life change look like? That looks like your brain being rewired. That looks like the way that you think changing. And the Bible tells us as a man thinks, so is he. So let's take this one here, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. From that comes the power thought for this week. And the power thought says this very simply. I trust God completely. Uh, would you all repeat that with me? I'm going to say it and then I want you just to echo it. I trust God completely. All right, one more time. I trust God completely. That sounds great, doesn't it? Here in church, in the worship center, it's, it, it just rolls off of your tongue. It echoes off of the walls. It sounds great. But the reality is that just because it rolls off of our tongue, just because we can say those words doesn't mean that we believe them. And so because of that, we don't stop there with the power thought. I've added a, a portion to that, which is right out of that verse that I just read to you. And the, the second portion to that is there is no need to worry. All right, so now let's do it again. And, and I want you to echo the way I do it. So I'm going to say it once, and then I want you just to repeat it with me, okay? Um, I trust God completely. There is no need to worry. I wish I had the ability to turn these cameras around because some of you aren't convincing me. One more time, and, and this time, even, look, I get it. I know that you don't believe this. This is why I'm preaching it. I know that you're not practicing it. This is why I'm preaching it. I know that it's hard. That's why this one was picked. And so what I want you to do is one more time, all of us together with everything that you've got in you from your toes, let, I mean, just let it build up and come out. Even, and and I, don't want you to, I don't want you to say it the way that you feel about it right now where you're just repeating it. I want you to think about what is it going on in your life that you need to trust God completely over. I want you to think about that. And now when you say this, I want you to say it just like God gave you the perfect ending to that story exactly as you want it to happen. All right, so one more time. I trust God completely. There is no need to You did better. I would say much better. 
So let me talk about this concept of worry. Uh, Corey Ten Boom had a couple of quotes about worry, and, and one was, she said this, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it empties today of its strength. And when you are mired down in worry, when you are uh, locked in, with anxiety, you lose the ability to be as effective as you possibly can. Another way that Corey Ten Boom said it was this, worry is an old man with bended head carrying a load of feathers and thinks that it's lead. You know, a lot of times that's exactly what we do. We carry around worries about tomorrow that have never happened and will never happen. And yet that doesn't stop us from ruining today. So let me talk to you about the pathology of worry. You know I've got a medical background, so pathology is something near and dear to my heart. And, and here's what I would tell you about worry is, worry is useless. Would you all agree with me to that? Worry is absolutely useless. 90% about what we worry about never, ever comes to pass. But that doesn't stop us from worrying. And here's the problem. While worry is useless, worry is very powerful because worry changes you. Worry makes you a different person. Worry causes your hair to fall out. Worry causes you to not enjoy any kind of food. Worry causes you to disengage from relationships. And here's what we say about worry. I just can't help it. Like we're a victim. And the truth is that I want you to understand is that you choose to worry. I choose to worry. We pick it up every day and we sling it over our back and we carry it around with us everywhere we go. And here's why we're good at worrying. It's because we practice it a lot. Now, I know when you were worshiping earlier here this morning, you probably weren't worrying too much. Why? Because your mind was focused on the words of worship. But some of you have already started. You're already where the problem is that you've been dealing with this week, this month, this past year, maybe the, for the last 10 years. Some of you are going to hold strong. You're going to make it through this message. But when you get out to the parking lot, it's all going to hit you one more time. And you're going to spend the rest of the week worrying, contemplating about what you've carried for a long, long time. And this week, you're just going gonna to rewrite your neuron pathways. You're going to build new synapses. And instead of them being about the power thought, about God's word, they're going to be about what could go wrong. I remember sitting across the table from a mom, and she said these words, my daughter hates me. Now, I knew her daughter, and I was convinced that her daughter did not hate her. And so I asked her this question. I go, how many times do you tell yourself that every day? And she had a hard time communicating. She goes, well, a few times. I said, I think you meant to say a few hundred times, didn't you? Maybe a few thousand times. And when I said that, she just looked at me and had that thousand-yard stare and then she came back into the room, and, and she said, yeah. And that's the reality 
that many of us, we tell ourselves what's wrong over and over again. See, we take our power thoughts and we use them for bad. We create power thoughts out of worry and anxiety. We create power thoughts out of what can go wrong. And and we don't just think about what can go wrong, but we go there and we go to worst case scenario. And we live there. We set up camp. we, We go beyond setting up a camp. We build a fortified structure. God's word calls these strongholds. And the enemy gives you the material to build the stronghold. The reality was that that daughter did not hate her mother. She loved her, loved her with everything that she had. And it was only when that mom quit telling herself that, that she could break free. Because if you believe that your daughter hates you, you're going to treat them like they hate you. And if you don't fix that, sooner or later, they will end up hating you. Well, maybe your problem is not your daughter. Maybe it's not that anybody hates you, but you have your own conversation that you're having with yourself. Did you know that 80% of all illnesses are connected to wrong thinking? Did you know that the number two comorbidity with COVID is anxiety? Obesity is number one, anxiety is number two. not just COVID, folks. I promise you, you'll you'll struggle recovering from the flu when you have anxiety all over you, when all you do is spend your time ruminating about what's going wrong and what will go wrong and what's continuing to go wrong. So what do we do if worry is useless? If all it does is really destroy us, what do we do? Well, we do the opposite. We trust God. And so let me talk to you a little bit about trusting God. The cause of worry in our life is because we don't trust God. I I know this is a, a hard truth for you to accept right now, but the reason why you worry is because you don't trust God. The reason why you try to fix what is impossible that you have no hope of fixing is because you don't trust God. The reason why you hurry ahead of God's timing and do things before God brings it into fruition is because you don't trust God. The reason why you lie awake at night and you roll over and toss and turn and ruminate is because you don't trust God. The reason why you elevate human counsel over scripture is because you don't trust God. The reason why you manipulate and maneuver situations to make sure that you get the end result that you want, it's because you don't trust God. And so here's what I would leave you with, is it's the one thing that you should know is that we should not worry. Would you agree with me on that? Pastor, you're right. We shouldn't worry. The problem is we do it anyways, don't we? Altogether, it's another thing to actually stop worrying. To stop worrying means you trust God. Trusting God's a lot harder than worrying. Trusting God takes more effort than worrying. And so I want to give you an action step that every one of us in here this morning, everybody watching online, everybody needs to take, and that is this. Make it your first response, not your last resort, to trust God. 
Some of you in Visa, you trust. Some of you in Discover, you trust. Some of you in your jobs, you trust. Some of you in a relationship that you're in, you trust. And you trust those more than you trust God. You trust the credit card more than you trust that God can provide the ability to make it happen. You trust the job more than you trust your ability to work in an environment that is healthy for you. You trust the counsel of other people more than the counsel of God's word that contradicts what you're wanting. And we make God our last resort instead of our first response. See, we, we try plan A. Plan A doesn't work out. That's okay. I got plan B right here. I thought ahead. And then when plan D, B doesn't work, we go to plan C. And when plan C just falls apart before it even starts, we go to God. Many times, it's not until we're flat on our backs that we call out to God. In the hospital, on the side of the road, in a broken relationship. And we wait and we see all of the other options before us and our last response is going to God. And the truth of the matter is our first choice, our first step should be this. I trust God completely. There is no need to worry. Look at the upheaval that's going on in our country. You know what I can say? I trust God completely. There is no need to worry. Whether or not you're going to take the vaccine or not take the vaccine, it doesn't matter because I trust God completely. There is no need to worry. Whether or not you are going to surrender to um, the cancer that is in your body right now, are you going to surrender to the cancer or are you going to surrender to God? See, it's easy to say that here on a Sunday morning when things are still held somewhat together. It's altogether another story when the wheels of life have come off, when the doctor pronounces what's wrong with you. I want to introduce you in the Bible to somebody who struggled with worry. If you would, open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. If you remember last week, I uh, started in 1 Samuel 25, where Samuel had died. Well, I'm, I'm now going to share with you the story about how Samuel uh, came into this world. Do you know that there's a story? I mean, some of you were accidents. Did your mom and dad tell you that? Yeah. It, like, um, you know what? There wasn't supposed to be nine years between you and your brother. Oops. But it, whether it was an accident or you were the firstborn and the, the, the precious cargo for many years until number two came along. Everyone has a story behind them coming into this world. I'm going to share with you Samuel's story in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it's about a woman named Hannah. And Hannah uh, was married to a guy. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. It's, it's a hard one. And, and this guy had two wives. All right, just, just I want you to understand, that's not a good thing. That, that's not a good way to start the story. But the reality is, he had two wives. 
And one wife was very fruitful and had multiple children, and one wife, Hannah, did not. But the, the story tells us that he loved Hannah. And so when they would go up to the temple and they would offer sacrifices, he would give to the one wife what she needed and for the kids, but he would give a double portion to Hannah, the one who had not had any children. And pick up with me in verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says, so it went on year by year. Maybe that is where you're at. You're in a problem that is years and years and years in the making. And you just want it to be over. You're like, come on, God, when is this train going to stop? How many times can the truck run me over? How many times can the house get burnt down? And the reality is this, that sometimes we just got to hang in there year after year. And here's what happened year after year. Hannah's counterpart used to kind of goad her a little bit. Oh, I'm pregnant again. What's this, number seven? I'll continue reading. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than to ten sons? And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the door. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction. Have you all ever been there where you started making deals with God? I mean, it was bad. You were in a situation like, look, Lord, if you just get me out of this, I'll never, ever, ever, ever. And yet you do. For me, it was in the dental chair. I made more promises to God before they numbed me. And while they were drilling in my mouth, as a teenager, what are those promises that you've made? Verse 11, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Now think about this. The very one thing that she wanted, the thing that gave her so much trouble, the thing that year after year after year didn't happen, she was making a deal with God. If you'll just give me this, I'll give it back to you. Does that sound familiar? God, if you'll just give me some more money, I'll give more money at church. God, if you'll give me that job, I'll make sure that I never let that job come between me and serving you. Why can't we just start with, God, I'm just not going to let. I'm going to take what you give me and I'm going to give you back. I'm going to take the job that you give me and I'm going to make sure that it never comes between you and me, God. Instead, just like Hannah, we make a deal with God and we're giving God back exactly what we're begging for. I, I, the, the logic of that just, it, 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 I miss it. And so she does this. In verse 12, and as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her. Eli was the high priest. 
He's watching her. She's here at the, the front and she's down on her knees and she's praying. And it here says she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And here's what I want you to understand. After it goes on year after year. There are going to be people who are going to accuse you falsely. For your good intentions, for your good actions. They're going to question you. They're going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you. When you're trying to do the very best that you possibly can, when you're trying to live the way that God has inspired in your heart, people are going to make fun of you. They're going to call you out. They're going to remind you of what a hypocrite you are. They're going to tell you, don't, oh, don't you remember last month? I saw what you put on Facebook. I heard what you said. And it might even be your pastor. Because that's what happened to her. Her pastor accused her of being drunk. And all she was doing was crying out to God. Let's keep on reading. And Eli said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Put your wine away. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all I have have been speaking out of great anxiety and vexation. Let me ask you, could Hannah say with all confidence that she trusted God completely? No, she sure couldn't. Verse 17, then Eli answered. I think Eli didn't believe her. And here's what he said. Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. I don't think Eli really believed what he was telling her. Do you know pastors do stuff like that? They do. Trust me. And Eli did that to Hannah. Go, go, just please. I don't want other people to see you drunk in the church. Do you mind? And go out that door. Go to verse 20, and in due time. How many people are ready for some due time? You're ready. God, I am ready for you to show up. I am ready for you to show yourself strong. I am ready for you to intervene. I am ready for the end of the movie. I need you to come in and fix the problems. Who's ready for some due time? That's where Hannah was. And in due time... She conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. But folks, that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning. Now, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're still in the year by year by year. I don't know if you've made it to the point where people are mocking you for believing that God is going to make something good out of the rubble of your life. I don't know if you finally arrived at due time, the train has stopped, that you're at the station, and now it's time to take a victory lap. I don't, I don't know where you're at, folks. But here's what I know. Is in God's time, it will come to pass. If we don't sabotage God. 
Folks, I could preach for three hours showing you people in God's word that sabotaged God's calling on their life, that sabotaged what they knew was the right thing to do. I could tell you story after story about people in the church who were so close to a breakthrough, who were so close to seeing God just sweep in and and move in a powerful way, and they missed it because they quit. They missed it because they sabotaged all their efforts up to that point. There are times in my life where, and I call it self-sabotage. I didn't quit anything. I used a little bit of self-sabotage so that I had to quit. Am I the only person that's ever done something like that? I know I'm not. You don't even have to shake your head on that one. The Lord gave this to me. Three years later, she's weaned Samuel, and she brings him back to Eli, the high priest, the one who was mocking her, the one who was questioning her, the one who was accusing her of being drunk. And listen to this conversation in verse 25. And she, or verse 26. And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who's standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. He knew who she was talking about. She didn't even say it. She didn't say, I'm the one you accused of being drunk. I'll bet for three years, Eli told that story. Oh, guys, you're not going to believe what happened today. This woman come in here, and she tried to convince me that she wasn't drunk, and I know better. Three years goes by, and she never, he never sees her again. And then she shows up with this little baby. And she says, I'm the woman. That prayer that you probably prayed, not meaning it, God answered. And look at the very last verse. Therefore, as I have lent him to the Lord, as long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Eli worshiped because of Hannah. If you've got your note taker, I hope that you pull this out real quick. Let me just show you something on the back. On the back of that note taker, there's three circles with three words. One says worrying. And so right now, every one of us are in one of these circles. You're either worrying about something. I know you came in here and you're smiling this morning. You're saying it's going to be all right. Hey, how you doing? It's good. Some of you are at the stage of weeping where it has broken your heart. We saw Hannah go through this same cycle, worrying to the point where she was weeping, to the point where they thought she was drunk. And then she reached the point of worship. Matter of fact, let me tell you when she worshiped. She worshiped before she got pregnant. If you go back to verse 19, it says they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Many of you think that, you know what, if I just hang in there and and when God comes through, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. If you trust God completely, you'll shout it from the rooftop before it ever happens. The reason why you won't shout it from the rooftop now is because you don't trust God. And so you're worried. Oh, if life was just a little easier, huh? The question we all get to ask is today, are we a worrier or are we a worshiper? Hannah started off the story as a worrier. And she finished the story as a worshiper. If you go into chapter 2, the first 10 or 12 verses is nothing but her worship and praise back to God. 
If you continue to read the story, you'll find out that God didn't just stop at Samuel, but God brought her three sons and two daughters. Year after year after year. Let me close with this verse, Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6 says this. You've read it before. I'm going to bring it to life for you. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, what does the word anything cover? Everything. But in everything. So don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. There's three words there that you need to understand. Prayer. Prayer is the word that it just means ask. It's okay for you to ask God for things. There's nothing wrong with that. He implores us to pray. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you love it when your kids ask. Your heavenly father loves it too. Number two, second word, supplication. You don't only ask for things for yourself because the, the me monster can come out there at prayer time, can it? Lord God, help me. I need. Supplication is when you are asking on the behalf of somebody else. Maybe that's you today, that there is a friend, there is a family member, there is a loved one that your heart breaks for. And you, you want God to intervene in their life on behalf of them. That's the supplications. But then there's a third word here with thanksgiving. I think we get the prayer down. I don't think you'd be here today if you haven't prayed and asked God for something at some point in your life. I'm convinced, I've heard your hearts, that many of you, your heart's desire is for people in your life, family members, friends. I've seen your brokenness. I've seen your tears. There's a third word here. Thanksgiving. We pray and we ask on other people's behalf with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. I learned this lesson when I was 18 years old. I was at Bible college. And I remember one of the, the pastors getting up during chapel time and, and talked about being thankful before God answered the prayer. Like that was foreign to me. I got it. You know, when God answers a prayer, that's that. Let's give thanks. Let's give praise. Let's, you know, tell everybody about that. But it never made sense to me that why would I say thank you before I got the Christmas gift, before I opened it up, before I knew what it was. But this pastor, he preached this. It was something that attached to my heart. That day I go out to my car and it won't start. And it was just in a season of my life there in, in Bible college. Have you guys ever done something that was stupid? So I'm not the only one. I had done something stupid. I had asked God, Lord, I want you to teach me patience. And I don't want you to take four years of Bible college. I want to get it, I want to get it over with this year so that next year and the year after that and the year after that, I just grow to be this spiritual giant. And God heard. And week after week and month after month, things just started falling apart. 
And here this stupid car wouldn't start. I'm sitting in the car crying. Crying because I prayed that prayer. God, give me patience. Crying because I didn't know what to do. And at some point I stopped. I dried up the tears. And then I thought about one of my coworkers. But here's the thing, my co-worker, he had grown up in church, and he said, I'll never, ever go to church again. I was in Bible college, and he, his mom and dad went to that church that had started that Bible college, and he was never going to go to that church, and he was never going to come onto that campus, which happened to be where my car was sitting. And then I remembered what the pastor had said to give thanks before the answer comes. And so right then, instead of crying and weeping, I started thanking. I said, God, I don't know why, besides that prayer I asked a couple months ago, why my car is broken down. I don't know why I can't get to work. I don't know why I'm stuck. Thank you. I had to do that for about 15 minutes before I really believed it. I said it a couple of times and I looked like you guys. And, and before the 15 minutes was over, my heart had changed and I trusted God completely. And that's when he brought to mind this young man who said he'd never come on this campus. and He'd never go to that church. And he was a mechanic. And so I went back inside. That was before cell phones. And I dialed it, or, you know, the, the rotary dial. And he answered, and I said, I'm stuck. He goes, where are you at? And I told him, he's like, mm. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Have you all heard that term, pay it forward? Do something good to somebody else, and not because you had something good, but just so that they can. Well, I think that that's what this concept of giving thanks before the prayer is answered, before the supplication is heard. I think that's what it means, is, is paying the thanks to God before he gives you what you're asking for. And the only way that you can do that with this true heart is when you trust God completely. And you realize there is no need to worry. About 15 minutes later, he pulls in and big old wad of tobacco in his mouth. Spits on God's land. I said, God, forgive me. Pop the hood, gets under there, taps something, closes the hood. Try it. And I crank it and it starts. And then I worshiped. I don't know where you're at today, folks. But Philippians 4, 6 finishes this way. 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. Do you sometimes not look at the words that is in God's word? Let me just unpack this for you. The peace of God, that peace that I talked about last week, shalom, everything is as it should be, it's complete. That peace, which surpasses all understanding, and here's the problem, to get the peace that passes understanding, you got to give up the understanding. You got to give up the money back guarantee that when you pray it, God's going to give it to you. Folks, that, that is for commercials. That is not the way that you build a relationship with God. That peace will guard your heart. You know, that thing that's hurt right now, that thing that's tender, that thing that you're afraid to give to anybody, the peace of God will guard that. And I don't know about you, but I trust God completely. But to get him to guard your heart, you've got to do the other things. You've got to pray and with thanksgiving. Folks, there's no testimony without the test. Oh, I wish it were so. We saw this in the military. Guys, we called them fast burners. They would just, I mean, everything happened. They just, they hit all the marks. They'd be about five years into their career and nothing had ever slowed them down. And then life would hit. They missed. And they didn't get that next, whatever it was. And those guys would just fall apart completely. Worthless. Get out of the military, mad at everybody. You know, there's Christians like that. They get saved and everything in their life, that life changes, the job is good, the money's great. And they don't understand what you're going through because they've never been to the weeping part. They quit the worrying part and life has been great for them. And then it happens. And then they have a crisis of faith. They walk away from it all over one silly Petty little thing. It might be a person, it might be a place, it might be a church. But I know better. That's not you. You're where Hannah was. You're year after year after year, and you're just waiting for Jesus. Please, do time, do time, do time. Can it be this year? Come quickly. Look, 20 was bad. 21 seems to have gotten worse. I don't even want to think about what could possibly come up in 2022. I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. It could get worse, folks. You better embrace this power thought. I trust God completely. There is no need to worry. Worship team, if you'll come up. We're going to do things a little different this morning. 
They're going to lead us in a song called, Lord, I Need You. How many people would, just by proclamation with your hand raised, say, God, I need you. There's, there's something going on in my life. I, raise your hands. I want to pray with you and pray for you. God, I need you. God, I need the due time to happen. Put them up. Lord, you see the hands and the hearts that are attached to this. And God, I just ask that you would allow your Holy Spirit to just flow into their minds. And God, change the way they think to the point where they trust you completely. And God, I pray that you would just rip the worry from them. That you would allow them to, to go through the next few hours, the next few days, the next few months. With the total realization that in due time, God, you will intervene. And until that time comes, Lord, we will trust you completely. Amen. If you would, stand to your feet. If there is something that I can go to the throne of grace with you, I'm going to be standing down here as they sing. But I would encourage you that do not waste this song. It lasts about three and a half minutes. Don't miss out on a chance for you to encounter your Creator. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 